0: Hey, 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 hey. You know, how good is God? It's good. You know, you know, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, you get your mind on all kinds of things, and uh, in the middle of all that, sometimes the focus on the goodness of God. Um, I'm standing up here because I've got a wee issue with the lights, you no know, because I'm um, Want to be any higher, by the way, but um, we're going to go to one of the Psalms today, Psalm twenty-seven, and uh, as has been said already about the Word of God, every single word is God-breathed, full of power, and the Bible says that when the Word goes out, it returns with fruit. And um, my title for today, as you're as you may be looking up. The scriptures is Psalm Psalm 27, we're going to be speaking from, but the title is Decisions, Decisions. Decisions, Decisions. Um, I always thought when I get to my 60s, life would be simpler. How many people know the world is not a simpler place than it was 63 years ago? And uh, it it genuinely is a very confusing place for a lot of people. you all right, guys? Uh, some of you are writing notes and reading. Can we get a wee bit of house lights on f- just um, for folks that are reading their Bibles, uh, proper Bibles, uh, and the words? That's great. Thanks, guys. So, um, yeah, the world is a very confusing place for a lot of people. People are facing decisions now they didn't have to face many years ago. Businesses are facing uh, decisions and um, all kinds of people, and um, and in and, the midst of all that, the whole world is on a search. The American Army, we are told, this weekend has been searching for the head of ISIS or IS, however you want to call them. They believe they found them and they killed them. The LGBT folks, the lesbian and gay community, are searching. High and low for the gay gene. Believers, good believers all over the world are searching. Many are searching for real Christianity, real New Testament community. And there's missional community movements springing up all over Europe at the moment. I've been asked to get involved and help two of the leading ones in, in Scotland. I'm not sure whether I'll do that or not. I'll just. You, everything, you, you, you come before God. But um, there is a search going on in the midst of all this. And so, I believe that in, in Psalm 27, a lot of the um, answers to these questions can be found. And a lot of people, even believers, are responding with a little bit of confusion, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, what's going on in the world. And how it affects them. How does decisions the government have just made, the Church of Scotland just made, you know, people are making decisions left, right, and center, that affects you and me. But there's absolutely no need for any Christian to up the fear, up the anxiety, up the confusion, because the Word of God is crystal clear about hope and about heart some people do lose heart in the middle of these things, but Psalm 27, let's drip feed on this amazing declaration of faith by David. It says in, in, in first, the first verse, I'll just go through it, the Lord is my light. Apply that to yourself as we walk. Through. The Lord is my light. I've had to move up here because the light issues, I said, but He's the light, wherever you are, the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army "'Encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. "'Though war may rise up against me, "'in this I will be confident. "'One thing I've desired of the Lord, "'that I will seek, "'that I may dwell in the house of the Lord "'all the days of my life, "'to behold the beauty of the Lord "'and to inquire in his temple. "'For in the time of trouble,' He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. As Elm and I drove down this morning, looking at the wildflowers and the the beauty of the countryside, just the joy oozing from creation all around us. And we get to come to the tabernacle. We get to come together and express that joy that God expresses all through his creation. What an honor and privilege. And uh, it says, yes, I will sing. I will sing, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy on me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord… We focus so much on the forsaking and sometimes never get to the Lord will take care of you and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies do not deliver me to the will of my adversities for false witnesses have risen up against me and such breathe out violence. I would have lost heart. Everybody at some point in their life has been in this place. You would have, there's there's a moment, everybody, I'm sure every Christian can relate to this. There's been a moment when it feels like you're about to lose hope or lose heart. And it's beautiful how David engages with us and and, and connects us with the depths, what he's been through. And he says, I would have lost heart unless, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Anybody ready today for God to come through His Word and strengthen your heart? Brilliant how George brought us into that. And you know, As I walked in this morning, somebody said, oh, I enjoyed Stephen's sermon last week. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Stephen that he won't tell you himself, and he'll probably kill me for telling you anyway. But um, Stephen was challenged mostly through his school for his ability to learn. To press through that and preach the word of the living God how good is the living God? Come on, guys. It's, it's tough, it's tough, tough sometimes. And that's what David's saying. There is a way, there is a way when your heart seems lost, when hope seems lost. There's a way to press through and demonstrate the goodness of God. Friend from Sweden and PJ's church got in touch with me last night. He said, you won't believe what happened in my holidays. A little three-year-old child, or, or, or he said, something was floating under the water. Something, just f- floating under the water, something. And he thought, Well I look? well, I not? He, he goes and a look, It's a three-year-old child. Him and his friends, they drag their three-year-old child onto the beach, and they do every, they exhaust themselves. They've done every single means to raise that child from the dead. We don't know if it's dead or whatever, but there's certainly no breathing, no nothing going on. And they come to that point where hope seemed lost. They came to that point where you have a decision to make. And they made a decision. They made a decision. Without that decision, the baby's dead. But they didn't lose heart. And what he said to me, a young man, just a really young man in PG's church, and he said, we looked at his body and we were like, you know, embarrassing, but we just said, in Jesus' name, we command life to come back into that body. Three-year-old girl, life by the power and the goodness of God. We can maybe applaud that if you want." It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose heart. But there's something running through the psalm that's helped me this week, like no other time I've read the psalm. I saw something in the psalm I'd never seen before. And maybe you you haven't. You know, I'm just a bit thick times, but um, I saw in the psalm that your future and your happiness is not determined by your conditions. It is, con- is determined by your decisions. David had a choice. And he made the conditions he spelled out for you, for him, was the same as you and I sometimes, were horrendous. And people were making decisions based on Conditions. Oh, things are not good, and who's this, and who's that, and who's, you know, you know. But David made decisions based on his belief and the goodness of God, spelled all the way through Psalm 24, 27. Your decisions determine your future, your happiness, not your conditions. Your conditions may be divorce, they may be sickness, they may be floating under the water and like there's no, you may feel like that little child. You may feel like that little child. You may feel like I'm under the water. I'm under the water and I got no hope, I got no, you know, you may feel that. Those conditions never determine your future or your happiness. Your decisions do. And the psalmist is making that clear. He said, if I had not believed, if I had not made a decision to believe, God is good. Three things we, uh, I'm drawing from this. Your future happiness is determined, number one, by your decisions not your conditions, two, your decisions, not your genes, three, decisions, not your lack, your future. You may feel you lack everything right now. He's walked out on you. This one's walked out on you. That thing's not, the fridge is empty. Your future is not determined by these conditions. Every single one of these presents you with a glorious opportunity to make a radical, radical decision to believe that regardless of what you see, God is good and comes through every time for you and me. Amen? So, if you don't mind, I want to just walk through those three today. And. Um, A question I like to ask people I've been asking recently. It's a question I ask myself. The problem with asking yourself questions, well, especially me, I lie to myself. I kid myself on. I tend to give myself more credit than I'm due. I tend to deceive myself. I tend to, you know, you know. And and so the question I ask is on a scale of zero to ten, on fire for Jesus, where are you on that scale? On a scale of zero to ten, in terms of being on fire for Jesus, where would you put yourself? And I'm I'm terrible. I go, maybe seven, maybe eight, maybe nine. At least 9.9, you know, in a good moment. And you just lie to yourself. um, But I asked some people recently, and they were brilliantly honest. They said, we would say, about a four or a five and I said to them what would get you from four up to a ten and it was brilliant because every one of their answers was a condition it was like if this condition was right and that condition was right and this happened and that happened and this condition was right and, and then they burst out laughing as they said it because they realized they'd built their whole life on a myth the whole myth that happiness lies somewhere else. Or happiness will be down the road. And people set all kinds of goals in life. Nothing wrong with setting goals. But the problem with goals is, the problem with goals is that happiness is always there. When I hit my ten stone target, when I, when I, when I hit that marathon under, when I, when I hit that cord right, when I, you know, it's always happiness is, but David is into process goals. He's, he's not so much into goals as process. David is saying, happiness doesn't lie in the goal, lies in the process. It lies in you waking up every moment. And this is what I said to the guys during the week. I said, you are on the scale exactly where you've chosen to be. You're, you're at a four or five because that's where you've chosen to be. They burst out laughing like, you're 100% right. And you don't need me to tell you. You're more intelligent than me how to get from four to ten. You know how to get to four to ten. You get to four to ten, like George says, by getting into the Word of God, getting into the face of God, until he comes through and takes you up to that ten. You know, no condition. Only the heart condition. And it, and it was great, great, great discussion. And, and and because you don't have to wait till Christmas or there's a thousand people get saved or whatever for that ha- David's saying, I never lost heart. What he's saying is, I didn't let that thing go down to zero. I kept it up there because the goodness of God was running through every one of his veins. And so, the first thing I'm just touching on here is, your future is determined by your decisions, not your conditions. One thing I wanted to say was this. When the psalmist said, the Lord is your light and he's your salvation, you don't need to fear no one. The Lord is the strength of your life. Whom shall be afraid? The Lord is the strength of your life. Imagine you made a decision the moment you wake up just to read and speak that to your soul and say, I have nothing to fear today. I have nothing to be weak about today. I don't have strength, that's fine. But the Lord is my strength today. I'm deciding that. I'm going to bless the Lord today. I'm deciding that. I'm deciding not to give my heart and hope away today. I'm deciding today to come to the tabernacle, uh, uh, to come to Jesus and bring joy and bring and sometimes you've got to dig deep to do that. Sometimes it's not easy. Depression can be a killer. But those one man, has anybody ever read a book, by the way, called The Tales of an African Intercessor? Has anybody ever read that book, Tales of an African Intercessor? If you, if you love prayer or you love Africa, You want something good to read? That book is like no other I've read on those two things. And uh, the guy, the guy, he's into Jesus' face so much. He's fasting and praying so much. He's seen things happen in the Congo like incredible miracles and multitudes come to Jesus in very evil conditions. But he made a decision to get in Jesus' face. He made a decision to love the Lord regardless. He made a decision to be a 10, and he went to the doctor sick, and the doctor said, you're wailing so much in prayer, you're crying so much in prayer, you're fasting so much, you're wrecking your body so much, it appears your heart has actually started to move. It started to physically move, and it's going to kill you. So he had a decision to make, and he said, conditions, conditions don't determine my future decisions do and I have decided to bless the Lord at all times what a beautiful decision to make second point and this is controversial and I want to elaborate on this in coming weeks because we've got rainbows everywhere right now and all kinds of things happening but uh, I just want to touch on this today just to bring one good ounce of biblical Sense to the confusion that's out there. Your future, regardless what scientists are saying, the media is saying, or we're saying, our, your future is determined by your decisions, not your genes. Former medical professor, you can Google this up and, and check this out for yourself. Former medical professor and research scientist Bruce Lipton taught and studied. For seventeen years, the traditional position in science, that human beings are determined by the DNA. In his groundbreaking research, this unbelieving, he's not he's not looking for the gay gene, he's not he's not even dealing with that issue whatsoever. He's just doing what he's always done, studied the cells in the body. He discovered in his groundbreaking research that genes And DNA do not determine your future. They don't determine your future. That your genes and your DNA is determined by your beliefs and your decisions you make. This is an unbelieving scientist telling us what the Word of God already indicates. Isn't that brilliant? And so this whole search for the gay gene is a complete waste of time. Because even if they found one, which they want, even if they found one, that tells us nothing. Because we're not determined by our genes or our DNA. We are determined by the decisions and the beliefs that we make. How exciting is that, that God allows you and me the power to decide to follow him in his goodness. Now, David spells out for us, Beautifully, what we're seeing here, and uh, I've studied and um, researched on this whole cell thing because I find it fascinating for quite some time. I still know nothing about it. I'm still an amateur, but I stumble across little things from time to time that grab my attention. Now, David Cochran blessed my soul last week when he brought a young man up here, a young, excited man from Chicago. Stephen was doing a good sermon. We had the the videos on where where we saw that nobody or hardly anybody had invited anybody to church, which I'm cool with, by the way. And I'll I'll explain that in a moment. That freaks people out when I say that sometimes, but I'm totally cool with you never inviting anybody to church in your life again. Uh, Don't go away till I explain that. I'll explain that in a minute. Now, here's the the amazing thing. Most of the people are saying that Christians never invite them to church. The young man stood here. David said he's only managed to get to one church on his travels in Europe here. Who do you think recommended he come here? Two people from the lesbian and gay community told him, you have to go there. It's a great church. And they told him, they're searching, searching for the truth. Searching, searching for the truth. The thing is that I much more believe in the power of the goodness of God. And you know, I've got close friends, very close friends who are suffering. Their their suffering. In the gay community and different ones, and and, and they've been hurt by Christians. And I want to come back to that in a moment and clarify for us what our position is on this. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment. I want to move on to the third point because times we're on. But your decisions determine your future, not your lack. Not your lack. And the reason I'm cool, I'm cool with somebody not inviting somebody to church is this. Because I dream of a third reformation in the church across Europe. I dream of a new thing happening. I dream of there being no need to invite somebody to church. Because every single believer, and this is a good question to ask next time we're on the streets, maybe Stephen, imagine if every single believer believed what the Word of God said, that when you're saved and filled with the Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Imagine if you believed that. And imagine if instead of inviting somebody to church, you invited somebody to your house for dinner. And you shared Jesus with them. And the point comes, they they get it. And they give their life to Jesus. They're filled with the Spirit the same day. Like on the day of Pentecost. And they start begging you to come to church. So when they come to church, you don't have to dial dilute the Word of God, dilute speaking in tongues, dilute anything because they're already up to speed. We would see a reformation of the church in Europe if every single believer simply put out a table and did, became like Jesus, a friend of sinners. Now, what excited me in all of that was and trying to understand this whole thing that's going on in the media was that one lady, uh, uh, her name is, I think it's Rosario Butterfield, former professor and lecturer and feminist activist. She she was so pro-gay she managed to get She managed to get laws changed in a university. And, of course, Christians wrote her endless letters of just total abuse. Except one 70-year-old man wrote a letter and said, Do you know what? Why don't you come round to my house over a log fire and explain to us, I genuinely do not know where you come from. I don't know... And this lady's a genius in arguments. I don't know where you come from. I don't know at which point you decided that, which scripture you use. And basically, he's, he was not afraid to get into that world with one intention, to share the goodness, the gospel, and the love of Jesus. Rosario Butterfield went there for supper over three years. Over three years, he invited her, and not once did he invite her to church, because she said in her own words, it would have freaked her out, and she'd never been back. She wasn't ready. Now, don't read into that. I tend to be extreme. Don't read into this. Never, ever invite somebody to church. I will still invite people to church. I'm just emphasizing a point. Is that clear? I'm emphasizing a point. Now, the brilliant thing is, three years down the road, she gets so radically saved On fire for Jesus, she marries a pastor, raising her children for Jesus now, and is now a lecturer of the truths of Jesus Christ. And she said something about what he did that will help us, I believe, maybe as a church. She said from day one, he explained to her, look, I accept you. I accept you. I don't approve of you, but I accept you. And it was brilliant because he was totally up front. And that is our position in the Vine Church. We accept whoever is searching. Paul describes himself as a chief of sinners. We would have accepted Paul, I think. But maybe we would have said as he stopped killing as a as owner, you know. So so, so, we hold the traditional biblical view of marriage. We don't agree with the Church of Scotland's decision. Uh, we agree with that. But rather than drawing a line in the sand and saying any faith, other faith, or any other community is outside the goodness love of God doesn't fit with me. I don't think it fits with the Word of God. I would love to see a revival. I would like to see multitudes of Muslims, they already are, by the way, and multitudes of people in other um, communities find the truth, the truth, and return to a traditional position of the Word of God and in marriage. And I happen to believe that the goodness of God is bigger than our fear, our confusion, or what anybody of the enemy is doing. Can we applaud the Lord Jesus Christ on that? Is that clear, guys? Is that clear? Is that clear? Now, if anybody doesn't understand that or is offended, come and see me. Come and see us because we're Bible believers. We believe the Word of God. We're not going to bend or twist it just to fit in with culture or do anything but we're not going to dial our love down for nobody. We're going to, you know, up the love because our Jesus, our Jesus heart, Mary Magdalene, his heart for Mary Magdalene, it still freaks me out because maybe we would have got so far with Mary Magdalene but the human contact, maybe that would be a step too far to allow her to wash his feet, bathe his feet. That's the goodness of our Jesus. And guys, why don't we pray for our friends and help our families and stand with those who, who are feeling the pain and the hurt with all of these issues that God would come through and reveal himself. And what Rosario Butterfield said was the root of her issue. And she believes it's the root of the issue for everybody In the LGBT community, is pride. Hence, why the marches are called that. It's just pride, and you know. Before we go quickly judging, you know, there's an assumption when people judge that we don't have sin. We don't have sin. We never look on somebody with the wrong eye. But but Rosario Butterfield said that, you know, she's down the line with our traditional views now. But in that community, she said, she and her friends, they were proud. They were proud of who they belonged to. And they felt safe because nobody would attack or beat them up. Our job is to beat nobody up, attack nobody up. Yes, to be down the line with the truth, but truth from a heart of love and confidence that God is big enough to break through with anybody, even the strongest of atheists. How good is our God? I'm going to draw this to close in a moment. Could the band come up, please? Imagine each one of us, getting a revelation of the goodness of our God, as David spells it out for us, His goodness for you. A lot of people talk about Daniel, the moment everything changed for Daniel. A lot of people talk about the moment everything changed for Dano and he had a radical impact with the goodness of God in Babylon. A lot of people talk about that moment when he was praying. He was praying and there was a blockage to his prayer for 21 days. People talk about that being the breakthrough moment. But if you wind the Scriptures back a couple of verses, you'll find the moment that defined David. You'll find the moment And the moment that defined David, Daniel, sorry, the moment that defined him was when God spoke to him and said, Daniel, my beloved. That was the the moment. When you once and for all, whether it's feeding on the word, prayer, worship, Settle in your heart and spirit. The Father loves you, accepts you. It's for you. Here's your light. Here's your salvation. You've nothing to fear. And He could find you in the darkest hole. Whether you believe it or not, He could find you in the darkest hole. Amen. Elma and I celebrated 40. 40 something years um, 44 I believe it is now eh? um, of marriage on, on Friday and, and I went back and, to some of the old songs just dug out some of the songs that we used to play when we met together and I did something I never did in 44 years never did once because I was reflecting back on the day we got married and I was reflecting back the great friend we'd come to the we come to the alpha group at that time and met the best people we'd ever met it was just great Great friends, great. Uh, you know, we thought we'd just died going to heaven, but but in between that, there was a moment, and uh, we, and apologize some of you are bored hearing this over and again, but but sudden a new touch came. I thought a thought came to me. You need to check out what song was playing that day. You, and I thought forty four years, ago, how'd I had to find out the song. And and well, I remembered the band Barclay James Harvest was playing. It was late at night, maybe 11. We were stoned at our heads on LSD and speed and whatever junk people put in it in those days. They never told you. They just stitched you up. And said it's pure. Stoned at our heads. I can't believe it. Went back and played the song. And the song, in 44 years, never knew this one, was called Him. I thought, Him? in the middle of this drug ridden 30,000 punks on the banks of the river at Reading and I checked at the lyrics about Jesus because I was so drugged up the mind never even caught that how many people know God has the power to short circuit your mind and get to your heart despite us Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. He's so good. He loves, you know. So may I finish in saying this. Your conditions come and go. But your future happiness is never determined by your conditions, but by your decisions. Your future It's not determined by your genes. Stop worrying about what you are, what you're not. You're determined by what you decide and believe. And your future's not decided. Your fridge might be a bit empty just now. Your marriage might be a bit empty just now. Your happiness, you know, you're like the widow with a little bit of oil Maybe. You know, things are tough. Conditions are tough. But no demon, no principality, no power. None can make that decision for you or rob you of that decision. None of them, none of them can stop you making a decision today. I'm not ever going to give my hope or heart for God, my family, my friends, or way, ever again I like David I'm making a radical decision he is my light he is my salvation I believe a couple of times Alan Kelly's text that just that very verse to me it's like when somebody does that to me it's like winning the lottery it's just like boom this massive injection And I pray that as we sing this next song, that you would take a moment to park your conditions. There a boy, one kidney now. First chance he gets, here. Bopping. Bopping. you if I'd lost I'd be like a little bit but you can't there's nothing you can do to take that boy's joy away if you took the other one away you still want to take his joy away he would still he would still his bones would be like Elijah's whom shall I fear we rebuke you, fear in Jesus name let the Holy Spirit come and fill you and complete his word in you today Let his strength come back. Let his hope. It's not your hope and mine. If if it's to do that, then we're, we're stumped. His hope. He is hope for you. And hope for your family. And hope for your friends. And hope for Europe. And hope for the Muslim. And hope for every community around. Yes, he is hope. And you're going to see. I would have lost hope if I hadn't believed see the goodness of God in every single situation. Now the choice today is not to believe a single word I say, but to believe. Are we going to believe what the word of God says? Are we going to settle for four or nine or two or three? Are we going to make a radical decision? I'm getting up every morning. I'm laying hold of that hope. I'm going to feed on this Sam, I'm just going to read it and prophesy to himself every day until it gets through. But I'm going to lay hold of my hope once more. I'm going to lay hope. I'm going to lay hold of heart once more. His heart. And even if there's no cattle in your stall, no fruit on your vine, you and I are still 100% free to him until he breaks through with joy. 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 Unspeakable. Imagine the believers all across Europe just took one night to invite one sinner for one meal and share the goodness of God. Revival, and by the way, revival won't do it anymore. It's too dead now. Resurrection is what God's coming with. Resurrection, resurrection power for you and me. Would you mind? I know I annoy you sometimes by asking you things, and even annoys the wife. But um, forty-four years ago, I annoy her sometimes. Eh? But would you be would you be willing to stand together? Just in the midst of your conditions, applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for His goodness and for His word. That's Jesus' name.